we are on okay cool we're cool <laughs> how are you i'm doing all right how are you i'm doing really well um let's see i made some tea you have your water I got my water and yeah. i'm really i'm just like really excited i know i shouldn't talk about me for an interview about you that's but a gonna, podcast i'm gonna do that i'm gonna i'm gonna do that i'm gonna be selfish every um, podcast i've listened to the host talks like just as much as the guest so <laughs> talk away i like how you're just like narrowizing as you're like sipping your cup no i'm kidding <laughs> but like no so um <clears throat> i am no i'm just really excited because this is episode two yeah Ooh, yeah long no. time in the making it was a long time in the making no last year um, for people who aren't aware, I did an interview with Lily Cho, and she is a punk rock musician in the city with Chicken Happen. So I'm yeah. not sure if you've probably known of her or have, like been through like her shows, but she's also, I think she's like, her band I think is like, no, I shouldn't say it's small because it's been around for a while, but it is in the local scene. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah. Uh, okay. So first, I guess the first thing I would, and, uh, What's your pronouns? I just do he, him. Okay. How about I, yourself? I do she, her, or they, them. Because this okay. always changes, so mm. I don't care. I have no preference over the other. Okay. Um, and then... Uh, so, this was the same question I asked earlier, but I want to get it solidified in my head. So, what's the pronunciation of your first name? Yusu. Cool. Yeah. All right. Excellent. All right. So, what's your favorite color and why? That's a very interesting question. I don't have a strong opinion about colors. So, uh... Why? I don't know. I, I love all colors. I mean, I love most colors. And I think it also depends on, like, the type of color. Like, there are types of blues I don't like, and there's types of blues I do like. So, um, I, I wear a lot of, like, darker faded green. Oh, so maybe too. that's my favorite color. But <laughs> even then, it's not like I have this, like, burning passion for green it's it's just like i happen to choose green all the time i can tell because like you're wearing a green shirt now is it green i think it's green and you know what though this is a a shitty lighting so it's probably blue um but like i i don't know if this is true and maybe our audience could correct me if uh people see like a teeny bit different shades than other people so it's possible you're seeing that blue and i'm seeing that green hmm uh yeah i don't know that that would kind of blow my mind if so like how do you even come to an agreement on things i think it's like the hue i think that's like the color is the same it's the hue that's different so but i don't know like because in my major i uh i study both psychology and rehab psychology. Oh, we don't that is, is like understanding brain development and understanding disability sciences and psych science. I love it. I love it so much. But I like I like the dark greens. The dark greens are good. Okay, what artist and musician have you been listening to lately? Um constantly is changing. Uh what about the last two weeks? So the last two weeks, the nineteen seventy five has put out a couple of singles. Okay. I love their music a lot and they're very inspiring for me because they kinda just do what they want to do and, and it still sounds good and cohesive. So uh I've been really into them. Uh I just listened to the new Beyonce record. Mm. It I, I gotta listen to it a few more times. Okay. It's basically like a giant DJ set mm-hmm. um, and it's pretty insane that she will go away for like five years and come back and can consistently make groundbreaking music yeah so I've been checking that out 
Um, and that's been pretty cool. That's so cool. No, I um, I went to two Beyonce concerts. What? I, I did. Yeah, no, I went to two Beyonce concerts when I was like a child, when I was 17 years old, uh, with the same friend, Sabina. And so... Where'd you see her at? At the Soldier Field Stadium. That's insane. Yeah, it, it was huge. It was the... I think it was our Lemonade Tour. Uh, speaking of pop stars, I also saw Justin Timberlake before yeah. I knew he was a little bit trash. But I think, like, most stars are kind of trash. Yeah, I, I mean, I partially feel like you had to burn some people to get to that level. I think so. And then I think when you're a kid, you don't really focus on, like, the ethics of, like, a singer. You mostly focus just on the talent. Oh, my God. Ugh. Something that's a little bit insane is that I had to talk to like my students why R. Kelly was like a bad person because the <laughs> where to begin? I know where no, and the thing is, it's like I think it's just because they're kids and they're immature, but I think they perceived R. Kelly as always just being an ongoing joke rather than no, this man seriously hurted people, particularly in Chicago, and uh, I always have to explain that with my students because. It's weird. He's a meme to the teenagers, but he's not something taken seriously, which he should be taken seriously for, like, the terrible crimes he's done. So. I mean, I don't think teenagers can always fathom the things that he's done. Like, you can no, say right. the stuff that he's did, but you can't always wrap your head around it yeah. until you get a little bit older and you're like, wow, that's actually, like, really fucked up what he did. Right. Yeah. For example, like... Okay, I can see me being, like, a <clears throat> shitty teenager and me thinking that, oh, young girls getting kidnapped in the South Side and being taken to a studio and locked up, that shit's fucking hilarious when it's that. <laughs> but I, I can see myself as a teen being like, hey, what? So, uh, I guess I give them a little bit grace. Um, but, no. Yeah, their brains aren't fully developed. They're not. So, what's one thing you love about the city? I'll, I'll give you some time because this is always a hard question. <sighs> One thing I love about the city, I just went to New York a couple weeks ago. Mm. And when I used to go to New York when I was younger, I was so enamored by it because there's so much happening and it's so dense and there's so much history. You can at any hour find something interesting to do. And then the last time I went, I was like, man, it just smells so <laughs> bad and there's no nature. And- <laughs> And I feel a little claustrophobic. I just feel grimy all the time. Yeah. So I really appreciate for Chicago that it's kind of like a Goldilocks city. It's got like the metropolis, but it's not crazy dense. You can get some density if you want, depending where you live. Mm -hmm. And there's nature everywhere. Like at least we try to have trees and lawns and grass. There is just like straight up concrete for miles and, and fucking caked with like dog shit everywhere so i love new york but uh i know now that i don't want to live there Mm. i love chicago because it's clean and it gives me a little bit of taste of being a city person you know that's exactly how like i because my mom also feels the same way like she would never move to like los angeles or new york city for that same reason it's interesting because i grew up in irving park and growing up, I don't always realize, like, how much nature there is around me. Cause, and mm-hmm. then when you go, like, beyond Chicago, you realize, like, oh, we actually have quite a bit of greenery. It is, like, a fairy tale. Like, for example, I went to UW-Madison. And Madison is a, is a small city, and it has a lot of greenery. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful, 
nature-wise, but it's like very much not as dense and in a grid system as Chicago. And that's what I miss because everything oh, was yeah. still far away. Even though it was claimed to be a city, everything was so far away. And yeah. the buses were trash. And so Oh really? Yeah, for they, for a university? They that's were interesting. Bad. Yeah, no. And just like everything <clears throat> was not close by, everything was still in a loop, nothing was in a grid system. And like I think what I like about Chicago is like best of both worlds cuz we are we're technically native swampland mm-hmm. and which is why we have like beautiful beautiful trees but we don't have the heat of a swamp and also yeah. we'll suffer this summer and which is not as bad as like i just learned not. that austin is a swamp exactly right and uh and i had gone there recently and i was like man it's just so hot all right the time. right and so like no and that just like proves our point where it's like it's very much it's very idyllic here with having the best of both worlds. Like, it's literally like the Pokemon universe where you can have, like, <laughs> like, literally it's like you have this nice town, this nice, like, brick gothic town, and then, like, patches of grass everywhere. I love it. And, like, and yet you can walk. And I think what I love about Chicago is that you can, and you probably feel the same way, you can walk through that nature because there's fucking sidewalks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need, like, a car. You don't need... You, all the time a bike like you can literally walk through the scenery than just like be a pacifier and yeah. i i love that about the city as and well and you, you are probably going to be near a park within like five or ten minutes walk oh i always tell people when i visit outside of the city i always tell them like we don't have large parks we have boulevards which i mm. i personally think are just as big as like large parks because they stretch on for neighborhoods like you see here in Humboldt park like it's 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 very green and lush mm-hmm. it's not like a big centralized park like let's say central park but it's a it stretches it stretches from uh northern humble park to uh, like west logan and yeah it's huge it's huge so um i really really like that as well so i totally agree with you a thousand and one percent about the nature it's lovely now that we're done with the icebreaker well this is <laughs> well i like how like i'm trying to make the icebreaker questions no i appreciate those yeah. like I, no but i'm trying to make them relate to the music scene and like mm, you so i think okay. number four is going to do that i know that lincolnwood is relatively close to chicago which is where you're from you were mm-hmm. born and raised in lincolnwood but what motivated you to move into the city I always wanted to move into the city. I was always fascinated by it. Anything I wanted to do, I ended up in the city. If I wanted to hang out with my friends, I was in the city. If I wanted to watch a show, it's in the city. Eat at a cool restaurant, it's in the city. And you said it was 10 minutes away from... I mean, essentially. Yeah. It, yeah, it's like... Um, Rod- it's right by like Rogers Park. Mm. Um, it's the, one of the neighboring suburbs of Chicago. So I still live close to there where my parents are and I'm like a 15 minute drive from my parents. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of handy. Uh, but the proximity is great from Lincolnwood to the city. Did you have a car as a, in your childhood to like travel back and forth the city or did you use like public transportation or a bike? Oh, I had a car. Mm Mm-hmm. When I was 17, I think. Okay. But I didn't always go in the city because it was still like, I was still sometimes a bit of a trek and my yeah. parents weren't always like crazy about the idea of me going into the city. Did you but have they strict were, parents? What's that? Did you have strict parents? Um, it's funny now because uh, I think they were, they were fine. Like they're strict about certain things and then they kind of relented over the years. Okay. 
But uh, I'm a guardian to my 17-year-old cousin now. Excellent. And she is calling me out for being strict. I'm, I'm like, I'm not that strict. <laughs> I'm trying to be like relatively generous with you here. I think part of the idea is like when you're a teenager, you are naturally kind of trying to push the limits. So you can't set, in my opinion, like fair limits. Mm-hmm. But then they're always going to test the boundaries of that. Yeah. No, that is accurate. That is 100% accurate. And it's a weird phenomenon of like, for, well, I had a relatively strict mom growing mm. up. And and the weird thing is like when I tried to instill like modeled behaviors or um, kind of a role model to like my students, I have to like make sure like I'm not pushing it to the envelope too far because some of my students get very sensitive when I get too strict. Mm. Oh my God. I remember when I had students like just flip out when I assigned them homework. It was insane. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no. Or just like each generation is going to have a different experience in the way that, in which they grow up, which is not necessarily going to be the same as the past generation, which is fine. So. Yeah. And, and I think at the same time, like people need structure. Yeah. As, as crappy as it may feel sometimes, I think in hindsight, structure is good. Otherwise, you kind of end up being lost a little bit. Oh, yeah. You fall apart. No, I definitely agree with you. I did. So you were essentially grew up in Lincolnwood. Relatively in high school, you went back and forth to like socialize in the city. So like what that because like what settled you to be like, okay, this is my home. This is where I want to live. When did that in the city? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I wasn't ready to live in the suburbs. I mean, initially when I was younger, I was like, I never want to live in the suburbs. Like I'm going to be a city person because the city is more interesting and I love everything in the city. And now the the older I get, I'm like, well, the suburbs don't seem so bad. Like, okay. I I would like to have a big yard, and like, I don't even go out as much as I used to anymore. I like, I can't even, my body can't handle partying every weekend. So I'm not gonna do that. I'm just gonna <laughs> hang out at home. And if I'm gonna hang out at home, then maybe okay. I want some more space, and I'll be in the suburbs. But for now, like. I think because I it just always was compelling to me to be in the city because yeah. there's so much cool stuff happening all the time. But uh, I'm willing to make the trade-off now. Okay. No, that's like, that's an important realization. So speaking of you growing up in Lincolnwood, I know in past interviews, particularly in WEBZ, you discussed sort of like your family was very musically intelligent and very open to different musical talents. So you have a lot of musical talents, from guitar to Korean folk music to electronic mixers. Which is your favorite, part one, and which one are you trying to get better at it? So which type of music? That's a great question. Um, I am always changing. I'm always trying to be a better, I think, maybe musician, because... <clears throat> in terms of playing instruments, yeah. So much of what I do now is music production. Um, I noticed my, that. Yeah. yeah, my day is literally like sitting in front of a computer, recording instruments. But then recording instruments versus playing instruments is very different. Yeah. Like if I need to play something hard, then I just record that one part and then yeah. I can move on, um, or I can somehow finagle it with production. Um, but that doesn't always make you a better musician. And then uh, I don't play instruments as long as I used to because so much of my time is spent like editing and uh, engineering. So I kind of miss the days where I would just spend hours playing instruments, running practice practices and different rudiments to become 
more technically proficient. Like I miss that stuff. Mm-hmm. So if if I had the time, I would I would just be practicing whether it's like guitar, piano, or drums or something, just to be like a better musician. Yeah, I don't. I applaud people who are able to have the patience to edit audio material. That's fun for me. <laughs> so. Like, my, like, little bitty podcast, like, I get so annoyed, like, 15, like, my first episode was, like, let me submit it, <laughs> like, right now, <laughs> like, I, like, after, like, an hour, I was just, like, this is daunting, this is so boring, this is so tedious, ugh, so, oh, I applaud you for doing that. Thank you. And it's, it's interesting how, like, you know, you said you kind of, you were starting to sort of miss the, like, playing music and practicing it versus music production do you do you see yourself kind of going back to being like a band musician or um a genre musician versus just editing production and media um i i mean i think or you don't know i think people have a tendency or maybe i have a tendency where they're like a pendulum at least i've heard this about people you swing far in one direction and then you kind of want to go back the other direction Okay. So um, <clears throat> now that I've, I've dived very deep into production, I kind of sometimes just want to play in a band because it's nice and liberating to just play music with people, especially after the pandemic. I think the one thing like I craved right away was playing with people. Yeah. Um, and so I, I would like to, I would like to do that because I don't do it as much. And then you end up kind of romanticizing the parts of it that you miss because you're not doing it as often so maybe i don't know no i get it i think that makes total sense like i'm the same way too where with writing where it's like five i know during my college experience like free write for like four years five years and then and now i'm like oh i'm i'm gonna go back to the swing of it because i miss it so Mm -hmm. i definitely empathize with you and where you're coming from i don't think that's like inconsistent at all um, I mean, I think the hardest part is with a band when you're older is you have to get people to play with you. Yeah, relationship <clears throat> building. Yeah, and it's harder to build relationships when other people have a lot of stuff going on in their lives. When you're, when I was in my 20s, it was a lot easier to dick around, which mm-hmm. I did, with friends because they're also kind of figuring themselves out. Yeah. And then you can say like, hey, you want to do a band practice twice a week? And everyone's like, okay, that's fine, because they don't have a ton of stuff going on. Right. And so it's like a very easy way to cultivate and build a band. But like now I'm in my 30s, and that's a, it's way more of a challenge. Like we have to look at our calendars and book yeah. months out. And... Oh my God, it's a challenge even just being 24. Because like I have, <laughs> no, I have like a lot of friends who are like doing big things, which is great. It's just like nobody can act like an early 20 year old. Like everybody's calendar is booked. It's insane. Jeez. Um, but yeah, no, I. That's really cool. No, I. I think that's super, super awesome. I'm very, very interested in your production uh, career because mm. I, when I think of production, I think of movies. Like that's what I personally think of, or um, music videos. So, like, what do you do specifically? Yeah, I mean, it's such a mystical term and a very broad-reaching idea. I guess a movie producer is very different from a, a music producer. Mm-hmm. I basically, on my own, am creating music from scratch. So I'll record the instruments and then decide what kind of song it's going to be, how to arrangement, 
<clears throat> how to arrange it, build out melodies, um, and then mix it and master it, and then release it for whatever usage it may be. For other producers, it could be different. Like there can be a separate engineer or a band will approach a producer and they'll need creative feedback to be like, we don't know what we want to sound like or we need help taking things to the next step. Can you be someone who can creatively guide us in that direction? Okay. And that's generally what the concept of a music producer is. That's so cool. I didn't know that. I feel like I've been using the word music producer wrong for a while, but I'm happy I'd like to clarify on that. <laughs> I That's mean, so cool. I played music for a long time, and I think after about 15 years, I like kind of grasped the idea of what a producer is. Yeah. And initially, when I started recording with bands when I was younger, I was like, what is a music producer? Like, Why do we even <laughs> need a producer? But if you're in a band and you're making creative decisions of what your music's going to sound like, you are producing yourself. Okay. And that was a thing that like I didn't fully get until a long time. I feel like that's been very recent in like the freelance movement or like the more anti-capital kind of model of um, being an artist of like there's a lot of artists like I think in the early to like not early but coming in into the early 2020s where they're starting to try to take more ownership and more authority and like what they say can and can happen versus just a big corporation. So I think that's really cool. I think that's really cool what you're doing. That much I know about production of like it's if an individual entity or band like produces their own music, that's their it's a little bit more agency. And I think that's super fucking rad. It's awesome. Yeah, it can be definitely. It can be limiting too because sometimes you don't know what you want Mm -hmm. or you don't know how to get to where you want to be. Right. And in that case working with someone else helps and it's not necessarily like capitalistic to work with a producer. Like you could have like a friend be like, "Hey, can you produce my music?" Or okay, like, I like that. It's more collaborative than it is someone kind of dictating what you should sound like. Okay. Oh, I like that. No, that's a that's a better spin on it. I like how you mentioned that. What are you trying to? Well, you did mention that you're trying to get better with like getting back to the swing of like playing instruments. Mm-hmm. That's what you're trying to do. Okay. And then this one's going to take a little bit of a turn. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, you're ready? I'm ready too. (laughs) You mentioned that you grew up with people microaggressing your name in Lincolnwood. Have microaggressions changed within your life? Probably not because I've mispronounced your name. (laughs) Do you feel they have gotten better or worse or the same? How? And how does it manifest at all in the music scene? So you can answer that however way you want. I mean, I don't think you should feel bad that you initially mispronounced my name because, like, how would you have known otherwise what my name is pronounced? Like, and your intentions were good. Yeah, but also I'm a bitter person. I get really mad when people don't pronounce my name, which is why oh, I'm really? really mad because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a really bitter. I think, uh, well, like when I was younger, kids would just make fun of me because it's Yusu, and they're like, "Are you gonna sue me?" and now I, I I think that's so dumb. That's but as a kid, <laughs> you're like, no, shut up. <laughs> no, that's so weird. It's yeah. still like I feel like I feel like if I was in that situation, I'd be like, <laughs> shut the fuck up, go burn. Yeah. yeah. Well, instead of being angry, I would be angry and I would be crying. Oh. Um, and now though, it's kind of very cool to have it's a so unique cool. name. Yeah. If I had my name 20 years later, then it would not be a problem and it would work out to my benefit. Because people would be like, that's such an interesting name now. But back then, they'd be like, Yusu, what kind of name is that? Yeah. So, I don't know. They, I, I've dealt with it and I, I've compartmentalized it in some ways where I just don't let it bother me. I guess that's my way of 
managing that. I'm the same way with my name now. Like, when I was younger, I used to be really, I mean, just a little bit, but, like, really defensive about, like, the pronunciation of my name. Because, like, I go by Nina for English speakers and Carolina for Spanish speakers. So when I went to college, it was my first time being surrounded by, like, an all-white campus. Because I grew up in... Madison, Wisconsin. Madison, Wisconsin, right. And so, like, I was like, so many people just don't know my name and so like (laughs) I was just so I was so upset but then like after a while I was I I chilled I matured and then I also did the same with you like compartmentalizing um that some people just don't like genuinely don't know some people even have linguistic barriers they can't hear the difference they can't hear the difference that too and so like so I I'm more flexible about it as well um we had one music video shoot for my old band hummingbirds yeah and the director the whole whole day of the shoot kept calling me Yoso. Oh, no. And then finally one day, one like in the afternoon in the car, my bandmates were like, hey man, it's pronounced Yusu. Yeah. I know like it didn't, it didn't bother me, but we all thought it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, no. Uh-huh. This is the director of our video and like we had already met a few times, but it's all right. He's a nice dude. Oh my God. That, you know what? That, I, <laughs> I'm laughing because that was almost going to be me today. Lamau. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> Um, but no, uh... I mean, like, you mentioned the thing about how Spanish is so much different than, like, right. Asian languages. Right. No, the, like, the phonics in that is, like, so different, the pronunciation. So, I guess this kind of seeps into the other question, like, what has changed, you think, since your time being a musician, before you became, like, a producer? Mm-hmm. Um, has it become more inclusive or more, like of you and who you are and your community versus it just being like uh monolithic how is uh, that changed? it's so hard to say because um i haven't been as involved in the chicago music scene okay since my last band broke up and that was in 2016 right it was a while and then like at that point we were pretty in it but even then like there's so many different sects of what about Good Son? Uh, good Son, I'm trying to work my way back in. And um, I I do think that there is more inclusivity. I would like to hope so. There's just so much music now, and there's so many ways for people to listen to it and create music. I think 15 years ago, like if I made the music I made, people would be like, you're selling out because you're not making rock music. You're not like recording live guitars the way that you're supposed to be doing it. There are so many hard and fast rules that they live by, and Uh I think a lot of that has been broken now. Yeah. So I'd like to believe that there's more inclusiveness because um, so many rules have been broken, and anyone who kind of um, is a naysayer to those rule breakers, they just kind of get left in the dust. Yeah. I definitely 100% agree with you because me and Lily were talking about that in my first episode of just how like alt or rock or indie, they're starting to become like break the barriers of what we think of as like traditional, let's say rock genre or t- traditional mm-hmm. rap genres or just tradition, like traditional dr- genres from their roots. And then things are starting to either blend with one another or things are branching to like another subgenre or things are starting to like just like be more accessible with streaming and so i think that's really exciting and i think you're right and i'm so excited for you thank you yeah i guess going back to like your korean upbringing uh and your musical upbringing 
I'm curious to know if there are Korean or Korean American communities that are involved in like the art movement. So, um, I, I was thinking of this question in terms of like music, but I'm open really to like any sort of art now that I'm looking at this question. So mm -hmm. you have any shout outs or you know anything in the Korean American scene in Chicago? Um, there's this one community center called Hana Center okay. that I think is doing a lot of great just humanitarian work. What are they doing? They are, they'll take funding and try to help undocumented Korean immigrants stay in oh, the U.S. or provide resources for low-income Koreans or any people for that matter. Like my mom would go there to learn English classes, I think. Okay. So it's stuff like that, providing resources for Koreans in the city. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, and then they, they'll also host like art events. <gasps> Very cool. And um, in terms of Korean Americans in arts or the music scene, uh, it's sort of hard, I think, because there's not many of us. Yeah, you mentioned and, that in the past. And we don't always make the same kind of music. Mm -hmm. So we'll, if we know each other, we'll root for each other. But I don't always like connect with the music that other people are making. Yeah. And then so I guess from that way, it's kind of hard to make a community. And I think even the idea of forming a community as Asian Americans didn't become a thing until like five years ago. Mm. I, I almost want to place my finger on um, when Crazy Rich Asians came out. And it was okay, like yeah. this huge movie about Asian people. Yeah. And we're like, wait, like this could happen. <laughs> And we can band together and, like, support each other. Because I don't know what other uh, ethnic communities are like, but... Yeah. Man, Koreans can really try to fuck over other Koreans. Yeah. And they're not always supportive of arts. Mm -hmm. Or even if there's, like, there's, like, a Korean festival, mm -hmm. there'll be sabotage happening inside. Or there's just a lot of power dynamic issues, so... Yeah. No, you I, mentioned that. You mentioned in your last interview about how... Um, there wasn't a lot of like at the, at your time in your scene like a lot of Asian American or let alone Korean American musicians just like you've you were kind of like your own little island for a little bit yeah I mean there'll be like people here and there I, I remember I played a show in Columbus once and then um I saw a Korean guy there and then I think we both had the same reaction of like this dude's Korean. <laughs> and then, so we just <laughs> so said hi great. to each other and we ended up becoming friends and he plays in a different band yeah. called Connections in Ohio. Um, yeah, so I guess there is a certain degree of rarity of when you see someone else, you're like, oh my God, this guy's also Korean. Oh my God. Yeah. No, I had that. I don't have that experience anymore. I had that in university though. Mm. When I look at somebody who was like Hispanic, I was just like, <laughs> anybody anybody really and so no i totally get you and you know i i i i agree with you where i i i think it i think the idea of like an asian or pan-asian community didn't start like a liberated community didn't start in like the mainstream formidable mind until like crazy rich asians and then we yeah. had like this is gonna sound really limiting so you can call me out, but, like, I feel like Ali Wong was just, like, the forerunner of, like, Asian comedy, like, Asian female comedy, because she's so great. She had that, um, movie, You'll Always Be My Maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, like, and I agree with you where I don't think it started becoming mainstream of, like, Asian identities being diverse, mm -hmm. and let alone Korean identities. Because I still can't really list, like, off the top of my head 
Well, except for Bonjo Ho, I think, who he created Parasite. He was pretty monumental in that like movement. But I, it does track where it's like we haven't seen that format yet. And then yeah, I mean, for that. I think there's pockets of it here that happened here and there. Like there were comics in the '90s, like right. Bobby Lee was on Map TV, and uh, I forgot this other female comic. Um, but it was people here and there, like James Eha was in Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. And it was oh, always I want to like interview one him person here and there. I mean, that would be pretty incredible. But now it's yeah. like crazy huge what Korean culture means to the world. Right. Like BTS is one of the largest oh. acts in the world. Parasite wins Best Picture. Uh, I mean, stuff like that is mind blowing and would not have happened right. 20 years ago. But and now it's the last five years. Yeah. And now yeah. it's cool. Like, my, so many of my friends will be like, we love watching K dramas. And I'll be like, I don't watch <laughs> i'm the same way with like k-pop i'm just they're just like oh my god k-pop's amazing and i'm just like i'm i'm done with like my boy band phase i'm, good. <laughs> I'm done i'm good <laughs> so no i think that's that's great insight um you see that's great thanks, insight thanks and speaking of like kind of genres and that diversity like you have quite a bit of genres you do like i couldn't because typically what I do when I prep for podcasts is I try to listen to as much music as possible. Mm-hmm. You have so many different genres of music. You had oh. like rap, you had like alt, you had oh, like... Oh yeah, like all ev- my production music. You had yeah. all your production music and I was just like, what? <laughs> so, no, it's so I'm just wondering, um, well you kind of also answered that, like you're trying to get back to being like a musician. Have you yeah. landed on your favorite genre though? I don't think I have a favorite. I, I, I don't like picking favorites because okay. I... I change my mind so often and my tastes change so often that I can't say like this thing is my favorite especially with music because mm. it it's so much of who I am and what I do. Okay. I I have told some people that because I do production music for a living and I'm making all these different genres, I I almost have like this Gary Oldman crisis <laughs> where he lost his native accent because he played so many different roles really oh right i always forget he's british yeah and, <laughs> and i feel the same way it's like what music represents me like what kind of music do i like making the most and it's hard to say because i've done so many different genres that's just so funny to me because i i love gary oldman as an actor and it's like am i sid vicious am i serious black <laughs> yeah who am I? Am I Gordon? Am I yeah. Officer Gordon? Who am I? So like, I guess you're just trying to figure out who's your Gary Oldman character. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure it out. No, and I hope I, I hope you do. But if you enjoy not figuring it out, like kudos to you. Hmm. So this kind of goes to like inspiration. So you've mentioned Radiohead like quite a bit. I also really like Radiohead. But I, I noticed that like your alt music, especially your even in Good Son, because I, I was avoiding listening to a lot of... Uh, hummingbird stuff Mm. just because like i wanted to more focus on you as an individual and so since i had that opportunity but i did notice like your alt genre sounds a lot like the strokes or tokyo police club and like was that purposeful or did that just like happen i totally um love the strokes they're one of my favorite bands yeah radiohead is too but they're sort of more they're more grunge they can be, yeah. I mean, yeah. they they got really weird with like Kid A and Amnesiac, and they had, like electronic records. Yeah. Um, and that was more of who I was like 
15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And then since then, I've listened to way more pop music, and mm-hmm. I love pop music a ton. So, I mean, the Strokes at heart, they're pop rock. Yeah. Um, and Tokyo Police Club, I know they're huge singles, but I think so many bands try to model their sound after those singles came out because... It was so good. Yeah, it was just it so was polished so and done really yeah. well. No, the acoustics on Tokyo Police Club are like excellent. They're so excellent. Like someone has like a good producer. Like holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So yeah, I think like um, the Strokes for sure. And nowadays, I mean, like I mentioned, I love the 1975. Yeah. Because they're still like a rock band. But they will put out like house tracks or they'll put out 80s tracks or they'll put tons of auto-tune on their vocals or sing about contemporary things. And um, not all rock bands do that. No, they don't. They're kind of stuck from 30 or 40 years ago. Yeah. No, and I like that. Or like I find that honestly, I got to be honest with you, like I think the only successful musician that comes to mind immediately who's done, like who who's done successful transition in her music is Blondie. Like, mm. she's the only person, because, like, from the 1970s, it was, like, hardcore rock. And then now, like, she, she came out with more signals, and they're a lot more, in, like, poppy. Really? I don't and know that good. much about Blondie. I did not know Blondie made hardcore rock. That's insane. That's, like, 1970s. So that was, like, her early stuff, because she would be collaborating a lot with, like, Patti Smith. Mm. She would be collaborating a lot with television. So that's when it was, like, more... Oh, that was when it was... Cause, and that's also when, like, hardcore was, like... Hardcore was actually, like, new wave, but nobody knew it was new wave because it was, like, the times. So you're a big, like, 80s, 70s punk person? I am. Okay. I really am. And so, um, but no, like, going... So, like, Debbie Harry, what I, who was, like, the lead singer of Blondie, what I like about her is that, like, she... And I don't know if she does this in collaboration or by herself. I would be curious to know. But, like, I love how she is able to just, like, seamlessly adapt her music throughout the times without compromising. Like, she yeah. does that, like, her her new, like, album, like, her most recent one, I think it came out a year ago, it's really good, and I recommend it. Because okay. it's, like, it's it still out. rock, like, trends, but also poppy. Yeah. Um, that was really good. I mean, I think it's hard for any artist in general right. to even have, you first of all have to have a decades-long career to even then have someone under a microscope say, like, how did this person's career change? Sometimes they just have one leg of their career and then that's it right very few artists if ever have like multiple legs of their career that then you can analyze yeah especially female artists yeah for sure no and i agree like it definitely takes some seniority and some work and some just like oh like skin in the game so but i don't i have hopes that you're gonna have skin in the game you already (laughs) do you already do what the fuck am i talking about um Let's see. Let's see. So, what makes you stay motivated? Because, um, yeah, so, like, what makes you stay motivated in, like, the music scene and production scene in general? Like, is it a full-time job or is it, like, a part-time gig? Or, like, where, like, um, like, how's it going? How's it going? How's it going? How's it going? Uh, Well, I, I do produce music full-time as a freelancer mm-hmm. i do a lot of music licensing and i'll compose music for like commercials and shows 
but that's very different from what I thought I would be in college. Okay. I think you like you don't even fully grasp what the music industry is like in college. What did you want to be in college? I wanted to be like a huge band. I wanted to go on tour and play. Oh, festivals a K-pop band. And... <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily. Like I would, I would have wanted to be like a Radiohead in college or okay. something. Okay. Yeah. Um, this like huge indie rock band or like a Fleet Foxes or what have you. But, yeah. But um. It's it's so hard. You have mm-hmm. you have to have so many people committed. You have to have a good amount of luck. Yeah. Um, and then so that was that was what like Hemingbirds was supposed to be. It's like this band that we're trying to make it. And then uh, and then as we were going through the band, we had put out two full lengths and an EP. Mm-hmm. You kind of burn out because uh, we broke up when we were in our late twenties, and then that was like the peak of our success. We had a touring. A booking agent we got a manager we had a press guy and we had a couple labels looking at us and then once we actually started going in the motion of doing it oh. when you're not making a lot of money but you're trying to upward your trajectory then we're like man i don't know if this is sustainable and it's not really fun it mostly feels like a job that you're not making any money on and then so we just broke up but then i still wanted to figure out a way of like how do I do this for a living? Yeah. So. Because you loved it. You. Because I still loved it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I think something that took me a long time to figure out is like, people don't love it the same way that I love it. Mm-hmm. I I'm willing to do music at any cost, mm-hmm. which isn't me like trying to flex or anything. It's it's more like, it's innately something that I have to do. It makes you me, you have so much joy in it that you don't yeah. Let it go. And I'm miserable if I don't do it. But for other people, like they have to have very specific terms on how they make music, and I didn't right. understand that for a long time. I, I guess it's it, hard to find people like that, too, who yeah. also have that same joy and pleasure just to do it. I mean, it, it, it's good and it's bad, because I have a, an all-or-nothing mentality. Like, when okay. I started Good Sign, it was because I wanted to make music that's fully who I am. Mm-hmm. And then I started working on it, and I was like, well, if I'm not going to tour, and if I'm not going to put out records and stuff, then, like, what's the point? Right. But the point is that you should be making music because you love music. Right. But I have a hard time separating that from, like, trying to make it as big as I can. I mean, that's how I feel like I empathize with you hardcore because that's how I feel like as a special educator in a way where it's like, I, I, I'm sure a lot of teachers feel that way, but I just haven't met them yet. But I, I freaking love it. Like I love, I love working with kids. I love understanding their weirdness and their capabilities and their challenges. Like I, I love that, but I, I have in the past worked with others, not to say this was your experience, but I have in the past also like worked and a team, and they didn't seem to have that same, like, joy or, like... Passion. Or, or not even passion, or just, like, that wasn't in their rule book or that wasn't in their, like, trajectory or plan. Like, their plan, some of their plan was just, like, oh, I'm just going to do kind of X, Y, Z and not really anything else unless a student approached me and I was the opposite where I'm like I want to do everything and I want to be there every time and I want to be a resource them all the time like I just put my whole heart into it um so I I totally get where it's like it's really hard to like I think find others who have that same level of joy or or that same level of like um not even passion I don't even because I think everybody's passionate or just dedication Yeah. yeah I mean, I sort of hit it, this existential crisis, too, like, over the past year, where... No, oh, who hasn't? <laughs> yeah. 
what's that Pixar movie with the oh Soul Soul it's oh. like a kind of thing where he's yeah. like if I can just do this one gig and play with this one person and I've totally made it and then like my life is going to be complete right. and then he does it and it's like what's next and yeah. then like and I hit that and I was like I this can't be the only thing that I do and right. I, I need to establish boundaries in my life and I need to like figure out like what is the purpose of my life if it's not going to be just completely making music all the time because I don't think that's the thing that is necessarily most healthy for me yeah oh my god you see you just read my life I don't want to go to therapy today <laughs> oh my god everyone I talk to feels like they're talking having this therapy session with me I'm just like in this I don't know no it's real it's it's fucking real like I I think a lot especially like our generation like I know I know like I'm a I'm a generation younger than you but like I just kind of clump like like Gen Xers and like millennials together because we're all like emotional and dealing with the same like repercussions of older people. But like, I do feel you where it's like, I think, especially with artists, it's this reckoning of like, like, how can I, aside from supporting myself financially, like, how can I also like continue to like live joyfully and continue to live like like dedicated to my work without burning out and also I don't want to be exhausted but also I want to find community and also I want to find people who are compatible with so I think like I think that's like that's the vibes that's like the general consensus I feel and even within myself amongst like a lot of artists so yeah I mean it's hard I mean just the fact that you listed so many things and then we desire all those things and each one takes a lot of time and energy yeah no, it's hard. It's hard. And for people who are just like, oh, I'm walking in my job every single day or like, and without any like thought to it, I feel like would be miserable. Hmm. Um, so since our time's almost up, I think it's a good question. What's your next big project? Like, what, what are you doing now? I, you have anything in the works? I, I've, I've been saying for like two years that I want to make an album, but I want to make an album. And um, I think that I love the idea of it an album because it's such a grand statement yeah and uh it's such a cohesive idea but it it certainly takes a lot of time and then um the hard part too is like the idea of the album that you want to make from two years ago maybe different than who you are now Mm -hmm. because you'd be like i want to make an album that's like this which i had a very specific idea of like this kind of album that i wanted to make Mm -hmm. and then now it's like two years later i'm like Am I still that person? And is that the mm. kind of statement that I want to make? Do you think the pandemic like changed that? Like think, made you reevaluate? I think the pandemic was the reason that I wanted to make an album like mm. that. It's basically just like I've had a number of family members who have had mental health issues, and a few that have committed suicide, and I wanted to tell them like, "You're not alone." Yeah. And I want a compilations of songs saying like how they're not alone and what yeah. it's like to be depressed or anxious and. And then, um, I don't know if, I don't know if I want to make that sort of statement anymore. I like Mm -hmm. making happy pop songs and I don't want to dwell in that stuff, but it is a good way for me to kind of exercise all that out. So some days I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. And other days I'm like, yeah, totally. I got to finish this thing. Yeah, for sure. So whatever it may be, I want to do an album. I don't know how or when or what it might be like, but that's my big project that has a big question mark on it. Yeah, and I think I don't fault you at all, like, or judge you at all for, like, changing your, like, kind of project here and now. Just because, like, A, it's your project. And B, also, I think, I think that's, like, the journey of, like, finding things that, like, 
give us joy and also like make us feel whole. Like it, it's gonna change all the time. Oh my For god! Sure. Like I like speaking of mental health. Whew, I have mania, <laughs> so <clears throat> my mind is is always changing. I told you earlier how like. I kind of want to get my hunter's license, and I've never been hunting before. And so, oh, interesting. But you lived in rural areas, you I, said. I, just for a little bit. And my grandfather, he is kind of like a... He's a, a very adventurous type, and he used to hunt ga- like mm. game. So What fascinates you about it? I think just like... I, I, I like soft things. So I, I, I just was seeing YouTube videos on how to pelt and skin oh, okay. uh, with small games, so like rabbits and squirrel. And I was just like, oh, that looks so soft. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I want that. <laughs> Interesting. And so I thought, like, ooh, what can I do to, like, profit off of it? Because, like, I'm trying to get the next big thing. <laughs> mm. And I think, like, oh, I can make cute earrings out of the fur and sell it to, like, the local, like, stores here and oh. get commission. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely, I, well, I bought, like, a $98 worth of, like, uh, licensure instruction certification. So I oh, think cool. I'm going to go through with it. Yeah. But like that goes back to say like continue finding things that like, you know, bring you that joy and bring you that like peace, even if it takes a little bit, which is fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's about the journey. Yeah. But that's such a positive way to end it. So, all right. Um, what socials do you have? Uh, my main social is Instagram and I'm a good son. I'm on Facebook and the, I would, I mean, technically I'm on Twitter, but not really. But just find me on Instagram at I am a good son and follow me on there for any updates on what I'm what I'm doing. Excellent. So that was Yusu of uh, Good Son, and thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah.